This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, family. So glad we can be together again. Now, all of you in the main sanctuary, so glad that you are here. All of you in the theater, so glad you are here. And all of you in the Dr. Theo and the Dr. Bev and the Sheila Palmer, so glad you are all in church today. It's so important for us to come to church. You know, we are the body of Christ. And the body can't function if it's not together. Can you imagine cutting your hand off and leaving it at home and you go out without your hand? So your arm can't work the hand because the hand's not attached to the arm. The body of Christ must come together so that Christ can work through the body. It's Satan's plan to divide us so that Christ can't work through us. Not only that, we're not a witness for Christ as we should be. Because the Bible tells us that when we love each other, we are a witness that He is alive. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, in that you love one another. So how can you love somebody if they never come together? You can't demonstrate your love to them, right? You can't say, hi, I love you. How are you doing? You can't do that. And the unsafe can't see this reaction between us because... We're not together. This is Satan's plan, to divide the body of Christ, to destroy our witness, and to prevent the corporate anointing from operating. The corporate anointing operated in Solomon's temple, and God's presence came down and filled the temple. The priests could not stand because they were together in unity. And the corporate anointing came down in Acts chapter 2, which we'll talk about here in a moment. Because they were in unity, there was a corporate anointing presence. We can't experience any of that if we are divided at home. I believe with all my heart that Christ is coming back for a glorious church, an overcoming church, a powerful church, not a weak, hiding away, defeated church. The Bible says He's coming for a glorious church. That glorious church are the five wise virgins. The wise virgins. That's who that is. The Bible tells us that there are the five wise virgins and the five foolish. The foolish virgins are those whose oil is going out in their lamps. The flames going lower and lower. And Jesus comes and they don't go because they're out of fellowship with God out of fellowship with their brother and sister in Christ, and so their fire, their flame, their enthusiasm, their relationship is growing dimmer all the time. These are the foolish virgins. You'll never find a wise virgin sleeping at home. No, the wise virgins are in church. That's where they are. And I know sometimes it's difficult to get to church because only a certain amount are allowed in. But if I were you and I were a wise virgin, I would pursue every opportunity of getting to church and making sure I'm there. And uh, if you tried and you couldn't get in, God knows. He knows. But if you just accept defeat and stay at home, that's not good. 
you could end up becoming a foolish virgin. I don't believe that foolish virgins are going in the rapture. The Bible says they're not. And we decide if we are wise or foolish. And I can promise you right now, you won't find wise virgins staying at home. They're in church. They all are. They'll make every effort to get into church. So, I love you all. That's why I'm telling you this. Because I want to see you in heaven after that rapture. I don't want you to stay behind when the Antichrist rules the world and God's pouring out His wrath and anger on the earth. I don't want you to have to go through that. All right. All right, let's begin our very important message today. Our message is titled Pentecost because this is Pentecost Sunday, right? A very important event in the Christian calendar. Probably one of the five most important events in the Christian calendar. Um, equal to the birth of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit coming down on the day of Pentecost. Equal to that. Without the Holy Ghost, I would be history. I'm sure you'd be as well. All right, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 14 and verse 6. No, 16. John 14, verse 16. And I'm reading out of the New King James translation. Jesus said, And I will pray the Father. In other words, I will ask the Father. And he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. So we're talking about Pentecost. There can be no Pentecost without the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit here, according to Jesus, is our helper. And Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father to send you another helper, and he will abide with you forever. So Jesus is saying, in other words, I'm leaving, and I'm going to send you my replacement. Somebody can be to you what I have been to you. Now, you know, the Lord Jesus played a very important part in the lives of those disciples when he was on the earth. And Jesus is telling them, I'm sending you a helper who's going to take my place and be to you all that I was to you. One hour while I'm here on the earth. Before I move on with that point, I'd like to just take a little side note here and say, watch this. Jesus said, I, look at that verse again up on the screen, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper. So there's three people mentioned here. Three divine personalities mentioned here. The Father... Christ, and the Holy Spirit, who is the helper. And uh, I don't know if you've heard this teaching where Christ is the only person in the Godhead, and He reveals Himself as the Father, and He reveals Himself as the Holy Spirit, because they claim that God is one person, which is a false doctrine, a false doctrine. There are three people in the Godhead, but they are one in unity and harmony and purpose. Just like you and your wife are one flesh, but you're two people. 
Just like the body of Christ is many people but one body. Just like you and Christ are one in Christ. So the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are one in unity and harmony. That's just a side note. All right, so Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper like me, that he abide, and he will abide with you forever. And then he says in verse 17, the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of truth. So this helper is the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. So the first thing we learn about the Holy Spirit here is that he is our helper. Say that with me. The Holy Spirit is my helper in everything I do in life. All right, John 16, verse 7. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So why did Jesus have to go away before the Holy Spirit could come? Because after all, it was the Holy Spirit working through Jesus when he was there on the earth. So the Holy Spirit was there with the disciples working through Jesus. So why did he have to leave before he could come? The answer is simple. Jesus is saying, I have to die and rise from the dead. I have to cleanse you from your sin so that the Holy Spirit can enter into you. He could not until they were forgiven for their sins. That's why the Holy Spirit was not in the Old Testament saints. All right, now let's go to John 16, verse 12. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I have many things to tell you, but you cannot handle it. Or you might say, you can't receive it. It'll blow you away. You can't understand it. It won't make sense. And then he says in the next verse, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. In other words, the Holy Spirit is our teacher today. He will guide you into all truth, for he will, speak, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So he has another very important aspect of the Holy Spirit's ministry to us. He tells us things to come. Say this, the Holy Spirit is my guide. He reveals the future to me. All right. Now let's go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. In one of these meetings, as Jesus was eating a meal with his disciples, he told them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what he promised. Remember, I've told you about this before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Skip down to verse 8. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, 
and the ends of the earth. So from that portion of Scripture, we can see that the Holy Spirit gives us power to be a witness for Christ, to be able to speak with authority and influence, and to demonstrate the resurrection by signs, wonders, and miracles. We prove that He is alive. So, the Holy Spirit has many different functions in our life as we're beginning to learn. Verse 9, it was not long after Jesus said this, that he was taken up into the sky while they were watching, and he disappeared into a cloud. This is the New Living Translation. Verse 10, as they were straining their eyes to see Jesus, two white-robed men suddenly stood there among them, obviously two angels. They said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. And someday, just as you saw him go, he will return. Praise God. We're looking forward to that. The apostles were at the Mount of Olives when this happened. So they walked half a mile back to Jerusalem. Now, the Mount of Olives is on the east side of Jerusalem. And you're going to see a map now on the screen. I'll disappear for a moment. And uh, the Mount of Olives is clearly marked on the map of the city of Jerusalem, as it was back in the days when Jesus walked the earth. All right? So it says, the apostles were at the Mount of Olives when this happened. So they walked a half mile back to Jerusalem. All right, verse 13. Then they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Now, that house is on Mount Zion in the city of Jerusalem. In the city of Jerusalem, there was a small rise called Mount Zion. And uh, there's a lot we can talk about regarding Mount Zion. We don't have the time now. So they went up. They went from the east side of the city. They went west, and then they went north, up the hill into Mount Zion, into the upper room where they were staying. And now here is a list of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all met together continually for prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus. I read all that to read that line. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the upper room, along with several other women and the brothers of Jesus. The brothers of Jesus. So, the brothers of Jesus, at this point, gave their life to Christ. After his resurrection, Jesus went and visited his family, led them to Christ, and James, his, his, one of his brothers, became a, an apostle and pastored the church in Jerusalem. But here we see that all the brothers were in the upper room, and they got filled with the Holy Ghost. We're about to read that. 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, also spoke in tongues. We're about to read that. So we see that she was there. Now, the reason I talk about that is because I know there are a lot of good Catholics around, and uh, this really helps them. If you are ever, uh, if you ever have the opportunity of ministering to a Catholic or praying for a Catholic to receive the Holy Spirit, then you can point that out, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the upper room and spoke in tongues. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, the old King James, and the King James says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. What that means is that the Holy Spirit waited until the day of Pentecost and then came down. Okay. So Jesus was crucified on Passover when all the lambs were executed for the covering of the sins of the people of Israel. Each family sacrificed a lamb. And then 50 days later, the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost, on the Feast of Pentecost, down into the, holy, uh, down into the upper room. This word Pentecost, as I said, is a Greek word. The English word for Pentecost is 50th. All right, let's go to verse 2. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like, a, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the whole house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues or languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now look very carefully at verse 4. It says, everyone present, that would include Mary, was filled with the Holy Spirit, filled, and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, so many Christians that have come for prayer to receive the Holy Spirit have waited for God to speak through them, expecting God to rattle their tongue, move their lips, and they sit there like a bird waiting for its parents or its mother bird to feed it a worm. That's so Sad, because God's not going to do that, family. Watch this carefully. It says, they spoke in tongues, not God. Everyone present was full of the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So the Holy Spirit made it possible for them to do the talking. When we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, and we will, later on in this service. He answers that prayer immediately. Then it's up to us to open our mouth and speak, just like I'm speaking now. It's not the Holy Ghost talking. It's me talking. <laughs> but He's unctioning me, making it possible, and He is anointing what He's inspiring me to say but I'm doing the same. 
So I can stop speaking anytime I want. And that's how it is with tongues. Or speaking in your heavenly prayer language is exactly the same as witnessing for Jesus to a lost person. All right. So they spoke in tongues. Say that. I speak in tongues. Praise God. 14. Skip down to verse 14. Now, here in verse 14, so what happens is, after a while, the 120 come down from the upper room into the streets. And um, thousands of people are gathering that time for this feast. And they see these people praying in tongues and overcome by the Spirit of God. And they are obviously completely mesmerized and uh, focused on this. And some of them are saying, these 120 must be drunk. So Peter gets up to explain to all these people, and he says, Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. Some of you are saying these people are drunk. It isn't true. It's much too early for that. People don't get drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. No, what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. So what you saw was predicted, prophesied by the prophet Joel. And he said in his prophecy, In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. That tells us that this experience is for everybody. All right, skip down to verse 38. Then Peter replied, Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter is saying to this huge crowd of people, you must receive Christ, get baptized, and then you shall receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, this is a gift. It's not something you have to work for or earn or deserve. It's been bought and paid for and belongs to you. Jesus bought this for us. It's a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. This promise is to you, to your children, and even to the Gentiles. That's everybody who's not a Jew. All who have been called by the Lord our God. So, this gift of speaking in other tongues or other languages, which is a powerful prayer language, cannot be compared with anything on earth. Because you are speaking directly to God the Father when you speak in tongues. Now here it says, this gift is for everybody that has accepted Christ as their Savior. Right here in verse 39. All right. Let's have a look at another completely separate experience of the same thing happening. Let's go to Acts 8 verse 5. Philip, from, uh, Philip for example 
went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to what he had to say because of the miracles that he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city of Samaria. Now skip down to verse 14. When the apostles back in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John to them in Samaria. Now when it says that accepted God's message, that means they accepted the word of God. And you know we are born again by the word of God, the Bible tells us in the epistle of John. So, they were born again. Let's remember that. 15, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new Christians to receive the Holy Spirit. There again, that confirms it. It says they are new Christians, and they prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. So they were Christians, and they were not filled with the Holy Spirit. Some folks got this idea that if I'm born again, I've got all there is to have concerning the Holy Spirit, which is not true. You are born in the Spirit of God. He is in you, but there's a second experience God wants each of us to have, and that's to be baptized by the Spirit of God, where you are endowed with power to be a witness and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Being born again by the Spirit of God enables us to live the character and nature of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. But you can't operate in the gifts of the Spirit if you're not baptized by the Spirit. All right, let's read verse 15 again. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new Christians to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. So you can see they were believers in Christ, and then they received the Holy Spirit. So this is a second experience, an additional experience for every believer. All right, let's read from Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. Here's another example of them receiving. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the message. So what's going on here? Well, remember the angel appeared to Cornelius and said, Go send for Peter down a dropper by the sea and let him tell you how to get saved. So Peter comes to his house and he's got all his friends, family and associates, whatever, at his house a great crowd of people, and Peter begins to preach to them about Jesus. It says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who had heard the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. So here, the Jewish Christians that came with Peter were shocked 
Because while Peter's preaching the salvation message, the Holy Spirit came down, filled him all with the Holy Ghost, got them saved before the altar call. And um, they, they saw them speaking in tongues. Look at verse 46. And there could be no doubt about it, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. All right. So these people then, all Gentiles, not Jews, all spoke in tongues and praised God right away. Praise God. All right, let's go to Acts 19 and verse 1. This is the last example I'm going to share with you. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior provinces. Finally he came to Ephesus, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. All right, so Paul found several believers in Christ, and he said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit? We don't do enough of that today. We need to expect every Christian to receive the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecost is all about. The church was born in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. The entire church consisted of 120 believers. And every one of them spoke in tongues. So if the entire church of Jesus Christ worldwide spoke in tongues at its birth, that's God's plan. They answer him here in verse 2, No, they replied, we don't know what you mean. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, Paul asked. And they replied, the baptism of John, John the Baptist. Paul said, John's baptism was, a, to, was to demonstrate a desire to turn from sin and turn to God. John himself told the people to believe in Jesus, the one, John said, would come later. You see, so John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, okay? Where Christian baptism is a baptism of acknowledging your faith in Christ. Now, verse 5 says, As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid ha his hands on them. Those who came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So this whole group of Christians all spoke in tongues and prophesied, and I believe there were about 12 of them in all. So, I gave you four different accounts of people all receiving the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And even those who were Christians were invited to receive. Now this evening, or this morning rather, I am going to invite you to step up to the platform to receive the Holy Spirit if you so desire. If you have not spoken in tongues, today you will. So if you'll come out right now, I'm, I'm talking to you in the sanctuary, in the um, Dr. Theo and the Dr. Beverly, 
I'm talking to in the theater, come up to the front, and the pastors in the venues will pray for you now to receive the Holy Spirit, and you will receive. But I'm going to give you a moment to come out, and I'm going to lead you in prayer. And I'm going to instruct you just for a moment, and then they will pray for you, okay? So come on out, quick as you can. All right. Fine. Now, like everybody, and you at home watching, you can receive the Holy Spirit right there in your living room, in your, ho in your lounge, wherever you may be, all over. Even of those of you watching on TV, all over South Africa, all over Africa and Europe, you can all receive, no matter where you are, if you've heard this teaching now, you have faith and understanding, and you will receive. Okay? Please say this little prayer with me. And say it from the heart. Say this prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. He is here now. Dear Holy Spirit, I receive you into my heart. Fill me to overflowing in the name of Jesus. Thank you. I believe I receive right now in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer, God has given you the Holy Spirit. He said, if you ask, you will receive. You won't receive a snake or a scorpion or whatever else. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. So you got the Holy Spirit. He's in you now. So now we're going to say thank you, all right? Say this. Father, I thank you. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I can speak in my heavenly prayer language. I can speak. Say that. I can speak in my heavenly prayer language. As the Holy Spirit anoints me to do so. All right. Now close your eyes. Now everybody in the entire auditorium is going to pray with us at the count of three. I will pray with you as well. The pastors will pray with you. And the people will pray to you. So you're not going to pray alone. What you're going to do now is we're going to take a deep breath. And we're just going to pray. Not English. Not Afrikaans. Not Zulu. Kosa. Any other language. No. You're going to pray in your heavenly language. Do not speak in any other earthly language. Okay, are you ready for that? Here we go. I'm counting to three. One, two, three. Pray. So mara si kendara mankaya blako boshendi si kaya. Endoro sumuru sanga blaki sende. Lama mako blubushi kilalanakaya. Endrosu ramangaya brekendala miki. Momo mokuru. Zambrand, Zikind, Zalamakaya, Embromoru Sikalabasaya, Blakilene Sekaya, 
All right. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if you received the Holy Spirit, not if you did, you did. If you spoke in tongues, if you spoke in your heavenly prayer language, raise your right hand. All right. Praise God. Put your hand down. If you did not speak, if you did not speak, raise your left hand. All right. Now, if you do not speak, the pastors are going to counsel you and pray with you, and you will speak. No one's going home without their prayer language today. All right, well, we love you so much. Thank you for joining us. Uh, unfortunately, my time has run out, but I've enjoyed this wonderful Pentecost Sunday with you all. Now, remember, be in church. Don't miss. Next weekend, I will continue with my message on the sword of the Spirit, a very powerful, dynamic teaching from the Word of God. We have to understand how to use our sword, our offensive weapon of our armor in this day and hour. You can't afford to miss next weekend, the sword of the Spirit. From Pastor Bev and me, we love you all. God bless you. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 